Let's get stuck in. Welcome, Jack. This episode today is all about raw milk. Hello, Jolene. How were you? How is it going? <laughs> going good. Good, good, good. That's what I like to hear. What? What's what is raw milk? Good question. Well, basically, raw milk is uh, milk that's direct from the cow. It's in its purest form. There's minimal intervention. So we're thinking cow, milk parlor, your glass. Now, I suppose the other most important thing to realise with raw milk is that it just hasn't been pasteurised. Do you know what pasteurisation is? I absolutely do. It is the process of making any product, but mostly milk, safe. So it is uh-huh. heating the milk uh-huh. to, I think, 71 degrees. Yeah, for 15 um, seconds. Pretty short time. For 71 degrees for 15 seconds. And the idea is it kills all the pathogens or anything bad or harmful that might be in the milk. Excellent, excellent. And it's a pretty clever process, right? And it was famously pioneered by a Frenchman called Louis Pasteur back in 1864 as a method to kill this harmful bacteria. But his interest was actually wine and beer, not milk. This came later. And pasteurization was introduced to milk um, as a response to an epidemic of cow tuberculosis in Europe and the US in the early 1900s. And at that time, an estimated 65 thousand people died over a 25 year period from contaminated dairy right okay just penny dropping here now so his name is pastor and it's pasteurized yep (laughs) (laughs) and i suppose to this day pasteurizing milk it's pretty standard like it's what we see everywhere it's what you get um and it's very safe it's highly regulated and i suppose you can't really go wrong yeah, I mean, there's nothing added. It's not a, an, an added reason. Pasteurization just means the milk is heated um, from its natural state. Yeah. Now, what about if raw milk is your thing? What do you have to do then? Yeah, you I mean, you have to seek it out. You're basically going directly to the farm gate, mm-hmm. to the small farmer, or alternatively finding one of the kind of larger raw milk suppliers who are currently registered with the Department of Agriculture in order to buy this natural, unaltered, pure milk. Yeah, and there's a lot of debate over raw milk because many claim that those dangers in times past, I suppose, have been superseded by better hygiene practices and the health benefits of drinking raw milk far outweigh the dangers. Absolutely. So today we ask, is it a superfood or a dangerous fad? Yeah, and to find out, we are going to speak to a number of experts on this topic, and that includes Dr. Wayne Anderson from the Food Safety Authority of Ireland. Elizabeth Ryan, who was one of the founders of Raw Milk Ireland, and organic milk farmer Sean Condon. But first up, we asked Deirdre McMahon, host of Neighbour Food Limerick, on why raw milk is important to her. Like, raw milk is one of our traditional Irish foods. Mm. You know, um, such a health-giving, nutrient-dense food mm. that, you know, can be completely local. It can, can vary from mm. farm to farm, from cow to cow. Mm. And um, it's something my family changed our diet about uh, almost 11 years ago. You know, we just gave up what we were eating and changed over to a mostly organic, whole foods, nutrient dense diet. And the raw milk is a very strong part of that, especially because this farm is seven miles from my house. Now, I need to interrupt here because we're actually standing in the farmyard of Sean Condon's Temple Row Organic Dairy Farm. And it's in Craycora in County Limerick. And wait, because the man himself has just walked up to meet us. Um, the quality of the milk is second to none. It's 
creamiest, most beautiful milk ever. We drink. Well, I hope she's talking the truth. We're about to find out. Sean, how are you? I'm Julie. Really Lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for uh, welcoming us today. You're great. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. And you've all your jobs done now on the, on the farm, do you? Uh, or are you no, still in the throes of stuff? No, I don't stuff right, but sure. What are you doing at the moment? I'm filling milk now, but I'm oh, nearly done. Brilliant, can we go and have a look? Come on. Can I give you this first? Sean, sorry. Oh, you want to in- interview me, do you? So I hand him a little microphone and off we trot into the shed. Do you know how much a minute I cost? <laughs> well, that's perfect. <laughs> Ooh, this might be an expensive day out for the Neighbour Food Podcast. <laughs> nah, he was sound. Have you been drinking raw milk, like, long? Oh, yeah, I've been drinking a bit always, like, you know. Right, like, raw milk, I hate that term, raw milk, you know. We don't call milk pasteurised milk cooked milk, like, which is basically what it is. Yeah. Like, milk was never called raw milk up to a few years ago. Yeah. Mm. It was called milk. Mm. It's cow's milk, like, and you buy, pa- you buy it pasteurised as well. Mm. You know, um, you know, like, raw milk isn't like raw chicken or raw meat or, yeah. mm. you know. It's just natural. It's not raw. It's it's in its natural state, you know. So I think the word raw is a very isn't a it's fair a word to use. Term, no, it's not. Yeah. And I think it's probably used purposely by people who don't like who don't like people drinking unpasteurized milk. So it's not like I can go and get a bucket and hand milk a cow and buy the raw milk from Sean, is it? Because there is a process, and we'll go into this in a lot more detail later. But to keep it simple. It's basically milk that comes directly from the cow for, so for it to be sold, it's, it's chilled to two degrees quickly and uh, it's filtered uh, twice and it's chilled and it's bottled then for sale. Do you drink raw milk, Elizabeth? Yeah, when I can get it. I live in Dublin, um, so I don't always have immediate access. um, But when I can get it, yeah, absolutely, all the time. Mm. This is Elizabeth Ryan from the Raw Milk Ireland campaign. Um, I work with a lot of food producers and various food projects. And one of them is that I work with some of the raw milk farmers and give them a little bit of help in terms of guidance on what they need to do to set up and testing and things like that. Um, and also liaising a little bit with um, government departments on their behalf. So we asked Elizabeth, why is she so passionate about raw milk? I think what I've loved about working and being involved in Raw Milk Ireland is is getting to see the farmers meet their customers and getting to see them sort of nearly become heroes. You know, if they go to a market and there's people there and they're going, oh my God, your raw milk is amazing. And, you know, so in days of your, you know, it's a thankless job, dairy farming. It's a very, very thankless job. You know, up in the dark milking cows, you know, out in the evening milking cows. And to suddenly go from sort of waving goodbye to the back of a tanker to actually having people congratulate you and reward you and praise you for what you're doing and kind of your stewardship of the land. You know, that's an amazing thing to have witnessed. And that's, I think, probably why raw milk means more to me than than any other aspect of it. Okay, sorry. I just want to cut in here because that really resonated with me. Why is that? A very close friend of mine, her dad is a commercial dairy farmer. He sells into a co-op. Okay. And there's very little incentive for him to actually work on his milk and make it the best milk possible. What now, this particular man, he really, really does. He makes incredible milk. And I just worried that the way the system works, it's a lot about trying to just 
you know, maintain a bottom standard rather than achieving a top one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think this is actually a really great aspect of raw milk, which has nothing to do with the, the milk being raw itself, but it's just that connection to the farmer gives the farmer such a great motivation and such a great reward to actually create an incredible product. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point, Jack. Um, so I wonder who are these raw milk customers? It's actually one of the things we asked Elizabeth, and this is what she said. It's a really, really big mix. Um, interestingly, you know, when we started out selling it, the, the, a really, you know, a funny sort of cohort of the population became there was bodybuilders coming in all the time. <laughs> and that was a big thing. It was seen as, you know, really raw, natural protein. And that was something we hadn't expected. Um, you've got older people who always drank raw milk. Yeah. They don't consider it to be anything different. Mm -hmm. They just consider it to be milk. Mm -hmm. um, and then it, I suppose generally that's slightly more nutrition focused, um, it, maybe let's say sort of 30 to 40 age group of people who are very nutrition focused and want to eat cleanly and want to eat natural foods. Mm -hmm. um, that cohort. And then there's a taste cohort as well. Yeah, I mean, the taste thing is very much the case and you really yeah. notice it with, it's, it's with butter important. butter yeah. made from raw milk there's a really obvious difference between raw milk yeah. butter and pasteurized yeah yeah, yeah. definitely and, and the feeling of nostalgia i think as well that it gives you too like that idea of raw milk something you know like that back in the day you would have drank raw milk just directly from the, the farm or your grandmother would have had it like maybe sitting on the table that yeah. kind of idea as well is is quite important isn't it yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, yeah, and I think the nostalgia thing is a big thing. Um, I mean, I suppose the one thing, and I, you know, and I, I don't like to fudge this fact because I mean, I think it is quite, the, the homogenization is actually a big part of it as well. Mm. Okay. And so, you know, I, I'm being very, very honest here now. I think probably quite a lot of people would find it, they'd find themselves hard pushed to maybe tell the difference between maybe an unhomogenized pasteurized organic milk and... Mm raw milk by its nature raw milk won't be homogenized which means that all the cream rises to the top and you know there are some 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 lovely unhomogenized pasteurized milks as well and they do still retain that creamy flavor so you know there you know there is i suppose an option for people as a halfway house that would prefer to maybe get a single farm milk but look for something that's unhomogenized mm. yeah i kind of like this idea of non-homogenized milk will we explain what homogenization actually is yeah. Well, homogenization is the process by which milk from several different farms is blended together to achieve a kind of standard milk that people like. So the cream and the fat is all mixed in together with the more liquidy parts of the milk as well. And there is a consistent amount of, um, of cream with every batch. Yeah. You know, this actually made the most amount of sense to me, homogenization. When when I had the Rocket Man, my shop before we had a coffee machine, we used to sell coffee mm -hmm. and we got milk from a farmer. It was a pasteurized milk, but it was from his herd. He had 50, I think, mm -hmm. Frisian and Jerseys. Mm -hmm. And it became so obvious to me what homogenization is when I would use the milk throughout the year. So in the summer, you'd get this really thick cappuccino frothy milk. Delicious. While in the winter, it was really, really hard to actually get a froth going on it because of the lack of casein, the lack of protein within the milk. So homogenization is the process by which 12 months of the year around, we have a bottle of milk available in the shop 
that is always going to taste and feel the same. Consistency. But you know, mm-hmm. I like that rich, creamy, old school, milk moustache kind of effect from non-homogenized milk. And I think this is where really raw milk kind of stands on its own, isn't it? Because like taste factor, it's premium. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what I like about raw milk? The taste. The taste. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, simple yeah. as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, it's sweet. I, re- I really feel it. Yeah, it's, it's sweet. sweet. It's yeah. thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. creamy. It is. Do you want a drop to drink? I would love a drop to drink. Yeah. <laughs> because this is the <laughs> best one. <laughs> and do you know what I love about it as well? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 you must be able to go. Oh, yeah. That could be an experience. We'll clean your face later. What I love about it as well is that it changes. So yeah. when you get the first spring milk, you yeah. know, when the cows just come back out into the field and they're all happy in the whole lot. And then later on in the year, like it's I just love my son, particularly who drinks yeah. most of the milk I buy. Yeah. He he will even comment. He'll go, oh, oh, this yeah. is the good stuff, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 The, the cream, the cream increases as the year goes on. The lactation, yeah. later lactation. And, and you can obviously taste that difference. So you can, seasons in you can. And you will, you'll actually see now what I've noticed now in the past, the cows have gone indoors for the past few days. So the milk has gone whiter. Right, really? and it's probably it's, it's probably not uh, even as good for you now as it would be when they were out in the grass, mm. and you get that uh, that that yellowy color on mm. that's on the it has a kind of a golden color, and that's from the beta carotene, which is supposedly very good for you. Yeah. So um, that's why it's probably better for you when it went directly you, on the grass. So. I don't know about you, Jack, but I've heard lots of amazing stories about raw milk and its benefits to our health. Will we ask some of our guests of their interpretations of this? I've certainly come across it myself a lot, um, you know, working in the food area, mm-hmm. that there are people, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about the allergies and the growing amount of people with allergies, but mm-hmm. I've met so many people over the years who couldn't drink milk for years, mm-hmm. yeah. but they can drink raw milk. So they would people who maybe thought they were lactose intolerant or, you know, yeah, just know yeah, that they yeah. have stomach problems, but they're able to drink raw yeah. milk, you know, because the natural enzymes are in the product itself to help your system to digest it. You know. And what about Elizabeth from Raw Milk Ireland? What does she think about it? How much of it is true and how much of it is hearsay? Yeah, I, 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 I'm loath to talk about that because so much of it is anecdotal. There are a number of very um, decent studies talking about the protective benefits of uh, growing up in a farm, which reference raw milk consumption um, in terms of benefits against asthma. Okay. Um, but the problem with a lot of these major studies, um, and, and this is not to say that it's not accurate, but is that Generally, there will always be a caveat at the end of these scientific studies, sorry, um, saying that all things being being equal, they cannot, in fact, recommend the consumption of raw milk because of the associated risks. Okay. And it's a difficult, and, and that, that's not to say that I don't recommend the consumption of raw milk. It's just that when you have a very sort of um, peer-reviewed scientific study, that tends to be the line at the end of mm. the document. And the difficulty with this is that people producing raw milk don't have the the finances to put together these really peer-reviewed studies. And mm-hmm. so as a result, now there are a number, there are a number of very interesting studies. A lot of them have come out of Germany where they have this Vorgish milk system. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't, but it, 
you'll find a lot more studies talking about the risks of raw milk than you will about the benefits of raw milk. And I don't like sure. to veer too much from what's from the scientific evidence, I suppose. Um, mm. Whilst I definitely have loads of anecdotal versions from loads of different people um, mm. saying, yeah, saying it's improved their skin, saying it's more digestible. You'll get a lot of people who say that they can't drink regular cow's milk, but they can drink um, unpasteurized milk. Mm. Um, be that because some of the enzymes remain intact. But, you know, you know, when we pasteurize milk, you know, we're anti-homogenized. You know, we are changing the structure. We are denaturing proteins. We are removing vitamins mm. and we are removing enzymes. So you you would have to think that in its most basic form that it, it has everything that it should have and that it's going to be better for you. Mm-hmm. But again, for me personally, I, I prefer to focus on, you know, the traditions and 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 the taste and the the value to the farm. Okay, so we have heard all the benefits. What are the risks? Q next expert. Well, I'm uh, Dr. Wayne Anderson. I'm the uh, Director of Food Science and Standards at the Food Safety Authority of Ireland. So the Food Safety Authority of Ireland was set up in 1999, believe it or not, uh, quite a way ago. We were the first food independent food safety agency set up by government in Europe. Um, and uh, we are separate from government in that we are a state agency where uh, we have a board that separates us from uh, the departments, although we uh, we take our funding from the Department of Health. Um, so uh, for governance purposes, we re- report to the Department of Health. So we're, our, our thing is quite simple. We're, we're responsible for ensuring that uh, food law is respected in Ireland, that uh, food is safely placed on the market, that Irish food is safe when it's exported abroad. And we have a a, a vision which is uh, safe and trustworthy food for everyone, simple as that. Um, and trustworthy covers off the food fraud angle as well and the uh, the whole issue to do with authenticity as well as the safety side of things. So uh, our mission is uh, is quite simple. Um, that's what we charge by government to do. And government makes policy decisions. We advise the government on them. And when they pass legislation, we enforce the legislation. So it's, it's, it's straightforward enough. So if you look at the Food Safety Authority website and their recommendations to the government, you will see that raw milk comes with a giant health warning. What is this and why is it a bad idea? Raw milk will never be 100% safe. Um, Unfortunately, it can be as clean as possible, but there's always a chance that there'll be uh, pathogenic bacteria in there. And that's Mm -hmm. that's the bit that people have to be careful about. And what kind of things could happen with these pathogens that you might find in the raw milk? Yeah, well, the, the, I suppose the three biggest ones of concern would be a, a bacteria called Campylobacter. Okay, um, what another is that? One, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bacteria that you find in cows and in chickens, actually, interestingly enough. And in fact, probably chickens is the biggest source of uh, Campylobacter. It also it causes about two thousand uh, illnesses in Ireland a year. Uh, right. just over 2000 so it's the biggest cause of foodborne illness in ireland i'm not saying all that comes from uh, raw milk no it doesn't sure. buy it doesn't buy any means but it's it's it, it gives you a nasty bout of uh, gastroenteritis you know you get sick vomiting stomach cramps that kind of thing mm-hmm. um it, the condition you know could last for several days it, it's really not very pleasant uh, to be honest okay 
Then you've got Salmonella is another one, and I think we're more familiar with probably with Salmonella. Mm-hmm. Probably people have heard of that. And again, you're going to get sick, uh, vomiting, diarrhea, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the other one that's probably a bit more serious uh, is um, in terms of sort of uh, severity of illness would be uh, toxigenic E. coli. Um, okay. they, we call it S-Tech. Um, we don't have to go into why it's called that. It's just easy to call it right. S-Tech. But it, it basically, uh, that can give you bloody diarrhea. And in some people, that could go on to kidney failure. Um, and these sort of uh, bacteria are all found in, in cows uh, mm-hmm. and sheep and goats and some other, other animals as well. And because they're there and they live in these animals, um, they don't cause sickness in those animals, interestingly enough, but uh, then they can pass through food or direct animal contact or even in through through water into human beings where they cause sickness. So they're called zoonotic bacteria because of that. Okay. Okay. And so I suppose essentially by pasteurizing milk, you are eliminating those three yep. major concerns. Really, That's basically it. Yeah. So 72 degrees, 15 seconds is what milk pasteurization usually is. That will remove all of those pathogenic bacteria that we'd be concerned with to make the product a lot, uh, a lot safer. And, uh, a product that's pasteurized uh, and hygienically sealed and all the rest of it should be free of these organisms. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Whereas a raw milk, you don't have that pasteurization step. So you don't have that elimination step in the in the process. So there's always a chance that they're there. Okay. Can and... I ask you, Dr. Anderson, while we have you, just as a food scientist yourself, would would you agree that milk is good is good for you? Are you a pro milk person yourself? Milk, milk yes. in general. Yeah, yeah milk's, uh, milk's a very nutritious source of food. There's no doubt about that. It's got great uh, vitamins and mineral content. Um, you know, milk milk is part of a balanced, healthy diet, and you'll see that in any of the recommendations from government. Yeah, I think the, the, the thing that the raw milk advocates would, would say is that pasteurization kills a lot of the good that's mm-hmm. in milk. But we don't really know the science behind that. Do you know yourself what's being referred to there? What are we losing in pasteurization? Uh, nothing in my view. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, effectively, uh, the, a lot of the vitamins and minerals that are in milk aren't heat label. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't don't mm-hmm. decrease on on pasteurization. I think uh, there was a, a textbook written by Professor Fox. He was a big uh, he, he was a big dairy microbiologist from uh, Cork, and uh, I think the data in there suggests about a ten percent reduction maybe in some of these uh, the, these vitamins and minerals. Uh, vitamin C goes down by about ten percent, um, but vitamin C, you know, milk isn't a isn't a so big source of vitamin C anyway. So I don't the, the, believe potatoes are actually potatoes are much better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 only if you don't, if, especially if you don't take the skins off them. So uh, the the other thing is uh, really I don't don't think that pasteurization removes the uh, the, the the vitamin and mineral content of of milk significantly to make any difference to uh, dietary intake. Oh, God, you'd know, turn in the tummy listening to all that, wouldn't you? I'm going to possibly regretting gulping down that lovely, creamy, delicious milk I had back at the farm. <laughs> I wouldn't, Jolene. OK. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous. You. Thank you. <laughs> OK, well, one of the other things we learned from our research was that raw milk was actually banned for some time in Ireland, but it's not anymore. So what happened there and why can we buy it now? Ah, yes. This is an interesting story and one that could have turned sour very, very quickly. Uh So 
Raw milk was actually banned by EU law, except for very small local farm gate sales. So this was a loophole which still exists to this day. And it basically allows any dairy farmer to sell less than 30 litres of raw milk to people who live within 20 kilometres of their farm. It's very small, so isn't it? They're, yeah, they're allowed to do this without the full weight of regulations of testing laid out by the EU. Okay. So effectively that neighbours can call in and buy some raw milk or you could sell, um, you know, you could, you could have a little sign in the road and, and sell to a few people 30 litres. But that's, you know, it's, it's very little. But, you know, for, for a small community of somebody who wanted to do that, you know, it's a reasonable amount to, to, to be able to sell. So raw milk was off the table, with the exception of this small cohort with the new exemption. And that's, it just simply hadn't been dealt with by the government. Um, so in their minds, it sort of was banned, um, mm. but there was now this new exemption. So a couple of farmers started to sell raw milk, um, including David Tiernan, who sadly we, we lost along the way there a few years ago. Um, and um, then once the government became aware that certain farmers were, as they put it, taking advantage of this loophole. Okay. Um, there became, there, it became clear that the Minister for Agriculture, the then Minister for Agriculture, Simon Coveney, um, was set on banning raw milk. Mm-hmm. Um, so we set up a campaign about this because we all thought, so there was a number of people from the food community, people like myself, people in Sheridan's, um, people like Darina Allen, people like um, um, chefs from all over the country um, and Slow Food and other organisations got involved to just say, no, we're not going to ban a natural, traditional product. Mm. Uh, You know, in the face of all of these processed things and also in the face of people being able to sort out their own risk, you know, we know so much more about this now, (laughs) given Mm. recent COVID times and the idea of personal responsibility. And, you know, in the face of the fact that you had chicken on the market, which was 98% of the time the packaging was testing positive for Compilobacter, And Mm -hmm. that was perfectly okay, but that raw milk with a couple of potential risks associated with it um, couldn't be consumed sort of really got us into the process of deciding, well, no, this this just can't happen. So this is happening in around 2011 and the Raw Milk Ireland group is fighting hard. They ultimately won the case for raw milk to be regulated and sold in our country. To have banned raw milk, they say, would have sent the message to the world that we do not trust our regulators and that we do not trust our farmers and we don't trust our own milk, which Ireland shouldn't really ever say. Yeah. So I think we should probably go back to Dr. Anderson at the FSAI and see what exactly are these regulations that were agreed between all these parties at that time? And are they safe now that we can actually drink raw milk? Well, they have to register with the Department of Agriculture for the start off, so the Department of Agriculture knows they exist uh, and therefore they can carry out checks and controls on them as part of uh, food law. And that's that's a good start. So anyone who, I think the, the limits are anyone who's uh, producing more than 20 litres a week, I think it is, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, 30 litres a week uh, or selling outside of a, a 20 kilometer radius of their farm mm-hmm. has to be registered uh, with the department of agriculture um, and then in do so doing there's a whole 
those whole guidelines there that were developed was developed between the Department of Agriculture ourselves and the raw milk people uh, about hygienic practices and uh, microbial testing. So probably the biggest control there would be the the microbial testing um, that's required. So they have to test for certain bacteria a um, certain number of times a year, and they have to have two TB tests a year as well. So once every six months mm-hmm. to make sure that the herd is free of is free of TB. Those would be the main. Um, if you like cost involved because you happen to have them tested and that costs money in a laboratory to get that done the rest of it's hygienic production hygienic milking and uh, attention mm. to detail and uh, making sure that uh, good practices are followed and sean condon the farmer that we were with he is one of these registered farmers in ireland today and as of today which is the 11th of january 2022 there are 14 registered farmers with the department of Agric- agriculture to sell raw milk. So you can see this listing on our website and I think we should probably list that in the show notes as well. I really feel like you know. I don't know what you feel about it. I, I mean, know. I've met loads of farmers. Maybe I'm in a privileged position, but like <laughs> you just know, you know, like. They just look after it, you know. <laughs> it's not necessarily for the podcast. It's just for you, Jolene. You know, like, you know, when you use them, you know. You know, but you should still check out the list because I think it's important because if you do choose to consume raw milk, that you're doing so in the safest possible way. And if you're buying from a farm that sells less than 30 litres of milk, you're personally confident in their hygiene practices. You know. But you know. You know. You know the good guys. You know. You know. you're just conscious of the fact always somebody's going to be drinking this milk straight back you know whereas when I wasn't doing raw milk you don't think about that because you just think the truck is coming to take it away it's going to be pasteurized no you have to there are standards even with all the creameries the hygiene standards are good like you know for they're strict enough yeah Yeah. they're very good they're very good it's all been very serious so far isn't it Um, yeah science scientific will I tell you some nice Mm. things Oh, please do. Okay, well, this is actually a scientific um, study that happened in 2008, right? And basically all these scientists, right, they studied Google Maps and they noticed that herds of cows, right, were pointing north-south direction with a tendency to lean towards magnetic north, right? (laughs) Now, you, you might actually think I'm nuts, but I actually remember reading this clearly as someone pointed out that article in the newspaper and I think I cut it out and I had it stuck on my fridge for ages because I just thought it was really interesting. And um, before we came on to this recording, I had to Google it again because I was like, was I imagining that? But no, it wasn't a dream. And it's up on National Geographic. I'm going to link that in the show notes too, okay? It, it, but is there a reason? I, I have no idea. I mean, maybe they're just kind of like polarizing towards the north. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> like, go check out Google Maps. Anyway, listen, do you want some more cow facts? I do. Okay, they can go, or sorry, they can't go upstairs, but they can go downstairs. Yes, uh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And do you know that in deep mud, cows run faster than horses? Just in case you I'm want to I'm not surprised, that. actually, because cows do, are surprisingly quick for how much standing they do especially if you're walking across a field that you're not meant to be walking across (laughs) now they also have 32 32 teeth and four stomachs and they have very small brains say 32 teeth (laughs) 
really fast. Anyway, look, we're slightly digressing. Um, I did find another interesting fact, and that is Sean only milks his cows once a day. So he is a self-proclaimed half a farmer. I'm half a farmer. He's a very full farmer. Good man, Sean. Go on, Sean. I actually have a fact. Go on. Cows produce a lot of methane. Yes, they do. How? Burping. Exactly. Not farting. Anyway, I did have to Google Sean before I went to visit him because it was one of the things he's noted for and that this once a day milking and he obviously gets loads of questions about it. Um, but he said it gives him an, an easier lifestyle and it's also better for the cow and she will produce apparently a creamier milk. But I always say to people who decided we should milk her twice a day, it was we decided that. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's very easy on the cow. And it's ideal for a lower cost system because you're not taking as much from the cow so you don't have to put in as much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So from that point of view, it's, it's very good, but it's ideal when it comes to raw milk then because you've way better milk. Like it's nicer milk to drink. Isn't that nice? It's really nice. Yeah. You found a gem there with Sean. Yeah. Well, I, I have to thank Dee really for, for putting us in touch. Um, I think we should finish off with a few words from Elizabeth at Raw Milk Ireland. You know, we asked her just at the end of our conversation, what were her hopes, I suppose, for the future of raw milk in Ireland? This is what she said. Well, what I really hope is that we continue to have, you know, we do have sort of hotspots around. So there's, you know, there's a couple of areas where there's more than others. At the moment, I was just looking at the department uh, website earlier, there's 14 registered raw milk producers, which sounds quite small, but you know, this is always going to be a niche product. You know, it's unlikely you're going to see raw milk on every supermarket shelf. And, and I think that's probably correct as well. Um, I think it's something that, that needs to have a little bit of a story behind it um, and, and needs for consumers to understand it a little bit better and be made aware of risks so that they're, you know, so that they're consuming it in a, in a responsible way, um, minimal as they may be. Um, I'd love to see, you know, all, nearly all of the counties um or county areas having a raw milk farm that was able to supply to the local market. Um, you know, the, 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 the big thing is always to be able to supply maybe to the Dublin market or the Cork market, and, and that can be quite difficult. So it'd be lovely to see, as is happening in, in a number of cases, you know, hubs where raw milk farmers um, are producing and are able to then engage with local markets and local speciality shops and get enough sales from that to support them, um, but also be able to engage with their local customers. So that's what I'd love to see. And what would you like to see, Jack? Oh, that's very nice. Well, that's kind of the philosophy of the entirety of the work I do every single day. So I would also like to see that. I do see that. Like that happens at Neighbour Food all the time with a lot of other products too. But there are some raw milk farmers who supply into neighbour food. There are also quite a lot of pasteurised milk farmers who supply into different neighbour foods. So Mm -hmm. um, do you know what I would just, I would just like uh, a glass of milk now. (laughs) Do you ever just have a glass of milk? I love a glass of milk, especially at night. Does it make you sleep better? Yeah. What about that lullaby milk? Yeah, we'll have to investigate that another time. That's an interesting thing. And you know what else we got to investigate Um, is raw milk cheese. Mm-hmm. That is Full a disclaimer, this story. episode was going to be about raw milk cheese and raw milk, but there was just so much on both topics that we've decided to do a specific episode specifically about 
raw milk. Cheers. Coming up. Are you excited? Are you excited? I'm excited. Anyway, no, this was great. Really fascinating. Love talking to all the people. Loved learning more about raw milk. Um, yeah, I'm going straight to the fridge now. Grab myself a glass. Chat to you later. Thank you very much to everybody who contributed to this podcast. There's Dr. Wayne Anderson of the FSAI, Sean Condon, raw milk dairy farmer, and Elizabeth Ryan, the one of the founding members of Raw Milk Ireland. And don't forget Deirdre McMahon, our host in Neighbour Food in Limerick. Cheers, guys. Thank you.